Welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast for the mediabyus.com. Joining me today is Brent. <laughs> there we go. Without a hitch. <laughs> and uh, I'm David. Uh, we're doing a two man today uh, for the week 175 of the quarantine. Um, it seems like it. Yeah. So we'll be kicking it off with uh, things we've been watching, streaming, binging, or playing within the last week. Um, so do you want to start it off? Sure. I'll uh, talk about a couple of movies. Um, that, uh, but remind me, I've got a show that I want to talk about. So don't let me, don't let, me let, let me wrap up without talking about that. Uh, but the first okay. movie I want to talk about is uh, a movie that <laughs> I ignored when it came out. Uh, because it looked like it was going to be awful and it got pretty bad reviews. And then uh, it came out and didn't, I don't think it made very much money. Uh, I watched 2011's The Green Hornet starring Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen and uh, who's, who's the, uh, the Kato in that? I don't, I don't think it's anyone that we're really, that we would know. Um, so I was kind of expecting this. Oh, first, the reason I watched this is it sh- it uh, popped up on Netflix as the number six movie in America on the day that I was browsing Netflix, and I was stunned yeah, that <laughs> top ten like uh, however that works is just completely baffling. How like uh, a movie like Molly's Game from a couple of years ago will just like be the number one movie in Netflix? I mean, I think it's like recently added has a ton to do with it. I think people will just on whatever the newest thing is assuming that they've seen everything netflix has to offer already um You've seen the rest now see the newest right um the green hornet was so i was i clicked up kind of expecting it to be one of the decade's worst movies uh, i kind of was ready i was one i almost wanted it to be just awful and it was very disappointing because it was just kind of bad um there were some scenes there were some scenes that were kind of okay. There was some pretty good action at times, and there were some funny moments. Overall, the movie is still, I don't think I missed out on much over the last 10 years by not having seen it, but uh, it was not not as awful. It was not the train wreck I kind of thought it might be. Yeah, I'm about 40% sure that I think I've seen this, but I'm not really <laughs> confident. Yeah, I'm not prepared to go into many more details because that's how memorable it is. <laughs> it's right uh, at the threshold of not bad enough to be good and not good enough to be bad. I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> the syllogism <laughs> made sense in my head, but not as much saying it out loud. Yeah. Um, and then I watched a much older movie uh, last night. I watched uh, The Jazz Singer from 1927. That's quite a bit older. <laughs> I figured, you know, us being talkie talk, we should have the original talkie represented. Yeah, the controversial uh, trailblazer. It is very controversial due to its use of blackface. Um, it's uh, it's actually technically not the first talkie that I that I saw. First off, it's it's at first. Have you ever seen the movie? No, no, I haven't. It's. I thought it was like a, a, an actual talkie. Instead, there are a a small handful of scenes which have uh, audio matching the characters uh, Hmm. mouths and it's mostly singing there are uh, a couple of scenes of dialogue but the the dialogue is pretty brief Um, it's also not the first movie to use this technology there was a 
MGM release, I think the year before called Don Juan that used it, that just no, nobody seemed to care about. So that's why we've never heard of it. And the jazz singer pops up on all these lists uh, many years later, but um, it's okay. The movie it's, it's all right. It's, I think it's more notable for what it meant for, you know, the industry than it is interesting. It's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's about a, uh, a Jewish man whose father is a, I think it's called Cantor, sings in, uh, in synagogue, and he wants his son to do that, but the son wants to go be a stage singer and sing the popular show tunes of the 1920s. And uh, it winds up being sort of a very kind of, kind of boring melodrama about the family you know about his dad not being happy with what he's doing and he becomes mm-hmm. a star and whatnot and it's it's okay uh al jolson's pretty good in the role but uh and he's he's an okay singer he, i mean he's a good singer but the songs themselves are nothing particularly uh memorable or mind-blowing it's mm-hmm. it's fine it's fine that's that's kind of my take on it but i guess the mind-blowingness of it probably went on 60 years ago or so i'm guessing <laughs> it's true although actually no it does it still kind of stands out also the movie is really well preserved uh better than most movies from that era i've started watching movies from 1927 and this is i'm about this is maybe the third or fourth that i've watched uh because i thought it might be fun to go uh, eventually once i've seen enough to be able to kind of personally go relitigate the oscars the first oscars uh <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but um yeah, so it's, uh, I think that received a special Oscar for its innovation. But um, mm-hmm. but having watched a couple other movies from the same year, it does really stand out. Like it, you can, if you watch a, a block of movies from 1927 and one of them has a guy singing on screen, it, you can definitely understand why it was such a big deal 93 years ago. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as a movie, just kind of okay. And I don't think people are missing much uh, as long as you've seen the clip of Jolson saying, you know, uh, hey, you ain't heard nothing yet. And then he launches into song. That's it. That's what you need to see. So um, anyway, that's uh, that. That's it for movies. The TV show that I mentioned earlier. Uh, finally, yeah, yeah. I, found, I, I did. Uh, this was a while back, but I've been, I think I've missed you maybe on a, a podcast or two that I don't think we've mm-hmm. talked about it is uh, I finally finished High Fidelity, the TV show. On oh, Hulu. yeah. Hulu? Yeah. Amazon? Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Uh, how did you like High Fidelity? I, I liked it. I, I think it was, it was very indebted to the original, um, kind of only straying a little bit. And there's a lot of payoffs that are just basically homages to the original. But I found uh, just spending, you know, 10 – half hour time segments with Zoe Kravitz to be, you know, a useful use of time. Cause she's, oh, yeah. she's pretty charming. Yeah. It really taps into her, you know, star power that she has. I mean, her mm-hmm. charisma it's, she is magnetic in that show and it's, she's really impressive. Um, though my, my one quibble with the show and I, and I, do want to stress that I did like it and I, I'm looking forward to a second season if that happens. But, um, my one quibble is that I feel like we, we, it felt a little bit like spinning the wheels on her relationships and the, the, uh, 
the ex-boyfriend a lot. I felt like we were, we just mm-hmm. kept steering back to that a little too much. I, I think it's because I liked her interactions with her coworkers so much. And yeah, they're, they're really good. And there were, there were whole episodes where I just felt like I wanted more and, uh, I wanted more of their interactions. In fact, the episode that focuses on her one coworker and his top five is so good. God, I love that yeah. episode. Um, not to ruin who, who his top five is, but it's a, I think it's a pretty brilliant kind of inversion on what Rob's going through mm-hmm. and uh, what, what he does. And yeah, that was, that was also one of my favorite episodes of the season. Yeah. I, 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 really I like the, the actress who plays like the uh, gender swapped Jack Black character. Mm-hmm. definitely doing the same kind of stuff but is uh similarly kind of magnetic doing it yeah yeah i, I do recommend it i just feel like I, I forget how many episodes it is if it's if it's 10 episodes i feel like it's 10 episodes of material of maybe eight episodes of material stretched over 10 episodes maybe i guess mm-hmm. that was my one my one criticism of it but it's i, I do recommend it uh just like you did several months ago, I think when you first told me about it. Uh, but that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. Then for me, uh, most of what I've been doing, I'm not going to talk in detail yet because I want to finish it, but it's playing final fantasy seven, the remake. I was originally going to, uh, I'm a discount gamer. I wait until things are like 19 bucks before I get them. But this is mm-hmm. the first game in years, probably over a decade that I, I got the day it came out. So I've been playing that in my little spare moments of time. Um, I won't talk too much about that until I finish it or uh, maybe Chris being on the pod because I know um, he has a Final Fantasy interest as well. So that's my explanation for why I haven't seen a lot or watched a lot of TV is it's mainly Final Fantasy seven. Um, cool. Besides that, uh, um, one thing I did catch up with is uh, – I finally saw my first 2020 movie and I saw a uh, tiger tail from Netflix. As did I. Whoa. It's directed by Alan Yang. Who's more known for comedy stuff. I know him from uh, being a writer on parks and rec, being a writer and co-creator of master of none and being a uh, writer creator and the showrunner for forever. Did you ever watch forever? The Amazon no. show with Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. Oh no, no, I did not. Oh, um, it's it's pretty good. I, I like it quite a bit. It's a, uh, it's also you know what the three of those things have in common is being comedic. So that was kind of my mindset going into it. So you're ready for a romp. <laughs> yeah, and because I feel like this movie, unlike some of like Spencer Confidential and stuff, I don't think this movie is getting a lot of pub from Netflix. So there's probably a lot of people who don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, um, it's kind of a memory piece of going back and forth between timelines of uh, a man who was born in Taiwan and he's, he's there for a while and he's reminiscing of you know, his time being a boy in Taiwan and wanting to get to America and coming to America eventually and going through the immigrant experience, trying to find a job and find stability and, you know, watching his kids grow up. It's kind of a a wide swath of time kind of movie. It's cutting back and forth between um, his childhood in Taiwan and his adulthood in America being just a little bit disillusioned. 
Um, so that's kind of the that's kind of my broad strokes of of the movie. Did you? Uh, let's just start with a, a basic question of Did you like the movie, and what did you like about it? I um, it's it's I liked parts of it. Um, maybe because I'm, I had been such a Alan Yang fan, liking, loving all the stuff that he co-produced and really being a big advocate and thinking his show that he was sole creator of was pretty underrated, that I was uh, maybe looking looking for something that I wasn't going to get when I watched it. It was very um, humorless, very, uh, I don't know, sanguine and, and wistful. But uh, also very beautiful and very uh, feels very genuine, very packed with real life detail. So it's, it kind of ended up being a mixed bag for me. How about you? I liked it. Um, I, I think it's a good movie that had maybe ambitions of being a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I would start by saying the performances are really good in the movie. I think I really yes. bought everything, uh, every character and their relationships with one another. I think uh, the, the main star, uh, the older version of our protagonist, he is uh, it's played by Zima, and Zima, he is, uh, he's fantastic, I think. Um, Christine Coe plays his daughter, Angela, and I think she's really good in the movie. They're, mm-hmm. both just, they're both just very sad, and they both really convey sadness without a lot of, uh, a lot of I don't know, forced acting. Um, yeah, they're kind of two different... Uh sides of the coin of sad almost like mm-hmm. different generational sads like pack down deep and like sadness exuding mm-hmm. it's like the generational divide of depression i liked the uh i really liked the uh like the cinematography in this movie uh especially from the in the flashbacks to uh to taiwan or or china i'm i'm unclear on where the who i where is that I think that's because he's. Let me. Well, the opening scene makes us think that, or at least implies that these are Taiwanese people being forced to, you know, uh, learn Mandarin Chinese. Yeah, the the, the name comes from the town of Huey, which I guess is uh, Tiger Tail in in, uh, the native language, but Mm -hmm. it's like uh, the township is in Yulin County in Taiwan. But okay. Back in the day, was probably pretty uh, um, Chinese. Yeah, Chinese territory. I did like the cinematography at the start. Also, the set design was pretty good. The uh, the wardrobe, the the dress that uh, the actress is uh, Yo Sing Fang. She's uh, Yuan when she's mm-hmm. younger. Um, the yeah. dress she's wearing in the uh, when they're dancing at the the local bar uh, it's just it reminds me a lot of in the mood for love and the costumes in that movie yeah. um I, w- I would say very much so to the point of almost beyond homage yeah yeah it's that, very that, it's very beautiful and it's going for that mood and atmosphere but almost it's it's yeah kind of using some one car uh i don't know cliff notes or something yeah i do that was one of the the my things I maybe didn't like is I I did constantly wonder a little through the movie if it was wearing its influences a little too much on its sleeve. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, like this, I don't know this movie clearly is a fan of, of, or or the filmmakers is clearly a fan of Wong Kar Wai and, 
and, and reminding us of those because even like the lighting in the flashbacks reminded mm-hmm. me of of one car wise lighting in his movies and when you when you have callbacks to like one of the greatest movies of the century it yeah it's it's <laughs> it's you're, you're not a favorable a com- comparison yeah. you're begging a comparison that you're you're gonna be it's gonna be tough to live up to right which is unfortunate because i think this is a pretty good movie um but it's uh yeah it does it, it is aping the uh the masters that came before a little too much it is but i still think it's i mean it's definitely still impressive visually the, the cinematographer and alan yang directing it as a first time uh film director to get uh i'm gonna be offensive but diet Wong Kar Wai it's still pretty impressive for a debut because he's mm-hmm. one of the most gorgeous filmmakers like I've ever seen. Yeah. There's a lot of talent in the craft here. Um, mm-hmm. he, he got good, like I said, he got good performances from pretty much every actor that was cast. I think there's, I think there is a lot of interesting stuff going on in this movie that maybe doesn't quite get fleshed out completely. But I do think like the, the fact that his, his grandmother tells him when he's a child that he talks too much. And then part of his ultimate issues later in life is, is lack of communication. Like he just doesn't Mm -hmm. talk with his wife enough and he doesn't talk to his daughter. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's interesting, but I don't know that it was ever fully really fleshed out. And um, also I was interested in his relationship with Angela because it seems I. I wondered if he re- resented her because she's a reminder of uh, the decision he made. Uh, and also if, if he is hard on her because of that sacrifice he made um, choosing to leave Taiwan for uh, basically for money, it's not as callous as that, but it's, you know, it's for, to help, to help his mother financially and uh, marry this person he didn't love if he made this huge sacrifice to come to America. And I think it is, an, it is potentially an interesting exploration of, of that side of the, the immigrants experience in America, mm-hmm. like, and, and why some of them can be very tough on their children because they made such a huge sacrifice. So, I think they are more uh, resentful if the kids don't earn that sacrifice that their parents made in their eyes. Sure. I think the film also, it it does make an interesting point um, that he's sacrificing so that his mother can go over to America and then eventually calls her. It's like, I'm ready for you to go. And she responds, you know, I never wanted to go. That was your dream. Yeah, he's sacrificing for essentially himself, and people don't really under fully understand his dream. Like the person who was his ticket to America doesn't really understand it and has trouble, you know, living with him and putting up with him. Same with his children. Um, he lives his dream, though. He gets there, and it's uh, it really reminds me of. Did you did you ever watch uh, first season of Master of None? Mm-mm. No. Um, well, uh, Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang won an Emmy for the episode called Parents, which mm-hmm. made me think of uh, this movie because uh, both of, you know, there's an Alan Yang corollary there, Brian. He doesn't play himself, but he has an 
Asian American best friend, Aziz Ansari does. And he, he, they have an episode where they talk about their parents' immigrant journeys. You know, Aziz, his, his father was a doctor in India coming over here. And uh, Brian, who's the Alan Yang character, his father, you know, lived with, lived in essentially the same thing as this movie. Lived in, you know, poor Taiwan, came over here and built himself up. Um, it takes a comedic approach. But uh, there's just a quote from that that I keep thinking of, like, the Brian character in Master of None says, like, my father used to sleep in the same room as chickens, and now he has a car that talks to him. <laughs> well, that's like in this movie, you know, he, he's having, he's, he's using Facebook. He's searching for his old flame on Facebook mm-hmm. in this movie, yeah. which is, it's, it's funny to see him, you know, using the, the trappings of the the modern society and the american society that he's never really it doesn't seem very comfortable in mm-hmm. um but also uh i won't since some people might be listening to this who plan on watching it uh i won't go into full detail but i did find the ending of, of this movie very satisfying uh in a way i Are kind of too, did yeah. not in a way i didn't really expect this movie to, to do because much of this movie is kind of uh uh sad Maybe it's about sad people. Yeah, I'd say it's it's beyond being about sad people, and it's almost sad sack, like like uh, miserable, not yeah. miserable, but you, you know what I'm saying. And so I I also agree. I like the the character kind of payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a little bit of redemption going on there without getting too much into it. That right was kind of you know getting done with the movie, and we were in the final you know denouement there. And I thought that was a, a a smart lift at the end. Yeah, we needed it after all those scenes of watching him in his apartment by himself. Those were brutal. <laughs> Cooking for himself and eating by himself. God, I mean, just him. Yeah, just pre- him preparing food or him just having a cup of tea is just the most brutal thing I've seen this year. It's just, it's like, <laughs> send that guy a buddy. Yeah, he needs a friend. Uh, but. It also kept reminding me of because Zima was also in one of my favorite movies of last year, The Farewell. Mm-hmm. It also is about immigrant experience um, from, from an Asian perspective. Is I think I just still think the movie was missing just a little bit of a sense of humor. That yeah. In um, you know, in any condition, in any bit of depression, there people always have a little bit of a sense of humor or there is humor in a situation, even if you can't appreciate it at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing where you don't really have much humor in like a Wong Kar Wai style movie that it's kind of going after because it's so heavily stylized. And right. It's, it's a melodrama, a lot of Wong Kar Wai stuff that I think uh, some Alan Yang is really good at is uh, a grounding sense of humor with like, genuine details that make you make it feel lived in i think probably would have kind of pushed it over the edge for me it yeah and and it also would have i think it would have humanized maybe humanized is the wrong word maybe it would have made the dialogue feel a little more authentic too if it had some mm. humor because the this movie i did notice had a lot of tell instead of showing uh mm. so there would be a lot of dialogue where someone would say I feel this way and here is why sort of, and it was, it was delivered. Well, I mean, it was, it was delivered through a good performance and the, the dialogue wasn't like hackneyed or anything like that. It, it wasn't bad, but it was just sort of, uh, you know, 
why is my daughter mad at me? Here is why your daughter is mad at you. And then he talks to the daughter. Here is why I'm mad at you. And it's just a lot of very direct conversations yeah. that where it works, but there's nothing inspired. Yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, that's what it, it doesn't mess up the movie in any way. It's still a good movie, but the great movies out there find a way to convey that without them having to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of my takeaway on why this is a, a good movie. Not a great movie, but a good one. And I think worth uh, everyone's time on Netflix. Yeah, still, you know, despite, uh, you know, comparing it as maybe a little bit of a uh, little bit of homage. Still, if you're going for Wong Kar Wai and you land, you know, somewhat short, it's still, it's a pretty gorgeous movie. I think, right. especially the, the childhood, him going through the, uh, the field is and with the wind going through it's still it's, it's pretty beautiful and and yeah great like you said the performances are pretty uniformly uh, great across the board everyone's very believable a lot of people in like uh, that are not very experienced actors because i think this is the uh the film debut of uh yo sing fang who was uh the younger yuan yeah she was really um good. yeah she is really good and she has some pretty extensive scenes too um uh, she has to really nail that aspect of the performance to really make him. She doesn't have many scenes, I guess, to, to make us fall in love with her the way he is. And mm-hmm. I think she manages to. To a, realize the Faustian bargain that he took place. You got to have the weight of the other side. And she does a great job. Yeah. So, we understand the stakes of the decision mm-hmm. easily. So uh, yeah, good. Uh, it, Good recommendation. I would not have uh, watched this without you telling me to. Yeah, it was a 2020 movie, and I was able to go to my local theater and see it. So you, <laughs> this is your, uh, this is uh, your number one movie of 2020 so far. Yeah, so it's my number one, and it's also going to be my worst of the year. It's the just worst of, movie, <laughs> just because of the lot size. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I've got it. I think it maybe I've seen like seven movies this year, and I think this is maybe number two or three for me. Mm-hmm. I forget where I placed it, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. Check it out. So, what else is there? That's a great point. I'm done with we, my stuff. Do you want to touch on Survivor just like real quick? Yeah. So, uh, so Survivor, um, we see that. Uh, Tony was the star of the show this week. Yeah. Oh my God. Just, he really upended things. I figured this would happen at some point, not necessarily with Tony, but I figured somebody would be getting, you know, the itch to try to take control of things. And mm-hmm. uh, boy, did he, what did you think about this week's episode? It was, it was all right. Um, yeah. I'm not as big a fan of Tony probably because, you know, a lot of the things where I say I don't like this guy as much is because I don't have the history. If I did, it'd probably be a lot more entertaining. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a little buffoonish, but I guess that's part of his charm. I don't think I've seen a full arc of him being more human or, you know, maybe even more buffoonish to really appreciate him. But, uh, you know, I thought it was entertaining. I would say it's probably middle of the pack as far as an episode for the season we kind of just uh, got a little further. It was painful for me to see Sophie go, but yeah, I'm a big Sophie fan too. I always have been. And it's, uh, it was painful, but at the same time, it's going to be pretty painful from here on out every week. 
because mm-hmm. there's just going to be someone I like almost every week that gets sent to the edge. Nick. <laughs> Nick and Michelle may go yeah. <laughs> whenever they're ready. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So uh, last week, this was not on the podcast or anything, but uh, Al and I talked about, we, we went through every player that's still in the game and we talked about their, um, what their jury speech should be if, if Survivor pulled a surprise and all nine of them made the finals. And so, mm-hmm. and, and we went through and then we ranked the arguments and uh, our top three were Sarah, Sophie, and Tony in some order. And so mm-hmm. uh, it did make sense that one of those three went home um, in, in Sophie. So it's, it, it's never good to be near the top at this point in the game. <laughs> Right. It makes survival difficult, but it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Uh, I hope Tony has fully blown lost his mind out there and uh, <laughs> just entertains us and burns out very brightly. It just goes full Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that is what I'm rooting for. Uh, and I, I would talk, uh, I, I don't watch the, uh, I don't watch the challenge though. Otherwise I would talk challenge with you, but yeah. Um, it's still happening. It's still the challenge. It's, uh, it's, it's great to be catching up with uh, America's fifth major sport, the challenge right now, but they, they got footage. Um, we'll, we'll catch up with it. Nothing earth shattering happened last week. The week before was a crazy episode, but watch the challenge. You got, everybody's got time, right? Or they don't. And I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to move on to uh, what's coming out, I've checked the local theater listings and nothing's coming out at your local Cinemaplex because unless you live in Georgia, it's probably not open. Um, Which we do. And I still don't know if there's anything showing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there are some VOD options. Unfortunately, I don't know anything about any of these movies. Uh, There's one new Netflix movie coming out called the half of it. Half. Um, well, it's on Netflix, and I have Netflix. It is a love triangle romantic comedy by Alice Wu. Hmm. Um, yes, a lot of VOD movies that I've just I've just never heard of. TJ, we need you. We need you. You always do this, and uh, yeah, I have no. I don't, I don't even. I don't know how he finds out about what these movies are. Apparently, Alice Wu won a Gotham Independent Film Award for a breakthrough director. So, she got that going for her. Gotham is the uh, New York uh, Independent Film Awards. Um, This is her second movie after 16 years. Wow. What did she direct? It's a movie called Saving Face. Hmm. Um, I think it's a... I don't think I've heard of it before, but I'd say a long time in between. I don't see anything else, really. So there's a movie uh, VOD release called Arkansas, starring a Hemsworth. Unfortunately, it's Liam. And it's a, uh, it looks like it's a deep south crime drama, Arkansas. Um, do a nice pairing of uh, Extraction with Liam in Arkansas. Wait, the other way. Extraction's got Chris Hemsworth and right. has Liam Hemsworth. And the third Hemsworth brother, MIA. 
don't know where he is. There's a movie called Bull that's hitting uh, VOD, which got some uh, acclaim at N this year. If that's uh, I think it's a it's a rodeo movie, so not going to be for some of those on this podcast. Uh, Deer Skin, starring Jean Desjardins. Oh, see them too. Making this movie for ten years apparently. Uh, uh, Endings, beginnings, which is a uh, a love drama starring Shailene Woodley. You like Shailene Woodley? I like Shailene Woodley too. A lot of people really don't. Uh, and we have a horror movie called The Wretched, which seems to be about an ancient witch of some sort, and. There's no one I recognize in the cast of that movie. So the picking are slim for what to watch this week. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bull just because it uh I don't know, it got a claim somewhere, and that's enough for me this week. What was the first one you said? The Netflix movie? Yeah. The half of it. I'm going to go for the half of it. Someone won yeah. an award for their debut in 2004 and their follow-up was 2020. I want to support that. Yeah, according to uh, Alice, Wade, it is a heartfelt comedy of errors about searching for perfect love and finding yourself in the process. Looks like it might be a teen uh, drama comedy, maybe? So. Well, I'm, I'm, already, uh, I'm already committed to it, so. Netflix does have a pretty, and they've got a pretty good uh, track record on the teen comedy, teen romantic comedy business lately uh, between uh, all the boys I've loved before. And there's something else I've watched on there that I liked, but maybe it's the sequel <laughs> to, to yeah. all the boys I've loved before. They're good rom-coms. Like, uh, what is it? The, uh, what's the um, Zoe Deutsch movie they had? Is it Sunny? Yeah, Oh, they'll set it up with uh, yeah, Zoe Deutsch and Lucy Liu is in there. It was it was really good, just classic down the middle rom com. So they know what they're doing. They got their algorithms working overdrive during the quarantine to help us out. So I'll go the half of it. Okay, half of it. You'll be on bull. Yeah, I'm riding the bull. <laughs> And we'll assign uh, TJ and Chris to the wretched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's what's uh, what's streaming out for everybody next week. Um, this was fun catching up and watching yeah. a movie. I feel like I'm part of the culture. Yeah, we were we the two of us were the uh, absentees last week on the podcast, so we had to mm-hmm. we had to you know pick up the slack this week. Yeah, for me that meant watch a single movie in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy though us watching the same thing. I, I miss the homework portion of uh, of Talkie Talk, which we haven't really done in a while, and so yeah. Uh, last homework we had was the Bling Ring, the Sofia Coppola movie, and it's just tough to uh, do a Sofia Coppola pod in the middle of all this, mm-hmm. or to really have much passion to get everybody to talk about it. 
I wasn't a big fan of it. Maybe there's enough time now I can rewatch it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll make a, a team vote that uh, no one needs to listen to about. We just abandon that one and do one that would be more fun to talk about. Well, you were the teacher. You assigned it. If you just want to tell us, <laughs> kids, don't you don't have to do this homework. That's fine. Teachers um, can do that? They're so powerful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll figure that out. And uh, in the meantime... Want to say this was Talky Talk, the podcast for the media by us. Uh, check us out on uh, our Gmail, our Facebook groups, Games by Us, TV by Us, and uh, Movies by Us. Um, our Twitter at the Media by Us. Tweet tweet. Um, I'm forgetting so many things. I'm so rusty. Was, things you could do to help us: subscribe to the podcast, even if you download it or listen to it in a browser. So subscribe to it anyway. Um, give us a rating five stars if you think it's appropriate we don't we're not going to beg on our knees for it but you know we deserve it um, and uh, what else am I missing thanks to the Willow Walkers that's right thanks Willow Walkers and thanks to Bo- Boo Reefa <laughs> it's, we are out of we are rusty it's like what is this uh, is this Bo Reefa yeah. Boo Reefa thank you Rue Bifa, thank you very much. <laughs> no, but seriously, Willow Walkers, Boo Reefa, thank you guys. And I uh, want to say thanks to you, Brent. Oh, thank you, David. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everybody who listens, and uh, that's a wrap. <laughs> that's how we get you, right? Uh, that's a wrap. We're all in this together. That's what we've been saying every episode. All in this together, but please do not be together. <laughs> Right. We're all alone. It's important that we be alone. Yeah. Anyway, bye. All right, bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.